passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to the latest edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City alongside Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack, and if you're watching this on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, Thank you so much. I think we're well up over uh, a thousand views for all of our post-game uh, episodes, some of which we do live right here on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page as soon as the game is over, including this past Thursday. Uh, those are just a big old party, if we're being honest. It was. Snacks, drinks, and we rocked it. That's how we do on 4th Down in the Steel City, especially for a live post-game edition of the show. But it's available as a podcast, and you can go listen to it in case you missed our breakdown, our opinions, our thoughts on the Thursday night victory over the Tennessee Titans and any podcast you may have missed. Make sure you go to wherever you get your podcast. Josh may be pointing to it right now. Um, However you get it, follow, subscribe, 
download and by all means rate review leave comments as well we appreciate all of them even the haters and keep come on come keep coming on back yeah i'm going to speak english today as we break down the mike tomlin tuesday press conference uh thank you again however you get it for listening make sure your odyssey app it's free download it today a-u-d-a-c-y you uh follow the podcast in there as well you'll get notified as soon as new episodes are available but a little bit of a mini buy. And so a nice long weekend for the Steelers. They get back to it today. And getting back to it includes questions about George Pickens, uh, a comparison to a pebble in the shoe, uh, questions about (laughs) both starting tackles, uh, the rookie corner who had another big game, the injury situation. But let's start with our guy, Mike Pursuta from the Steelers Radio Network who asked a pretty straightforward question, I thought, about Kenny Pickett and his performance in the first three quarters as it relates to his performance in the fourth quarter. And Mike Tomlin chose to focus on the fourth quarter performance rather than the first three quarters. Josh, we've talked about this all year. It's going to continue to be a thing as long as fourth quarter Kenny continues to be a thing. But it is a thing, which, by the way, we'll get into later. We'll play a rousing edition of Is This a Thing? Um, huh. But, but it, it, I appreciate his highly diplomatic answer in public. <laughs> i got to believe behind the scenes, Mike Tomlin is racking his brain just like the rest of us, trying to figure out how the heck you get Kenny picked fourth quarter Kenny to show up in the first three quarters. I, I thought I thought two things about this. One, I thought the way that Mike Tomlin was very tongue-in-cheek with Mike Pursuta about it was mm-hmm. fun. Because he goes, why don't you just ask it from that perspective? I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and and, those, and there's a lot of back and forth there. And if you've right. covered that beat at any point, you, you know the relationship Mike Pursuta has with the players and with the coaching staff and with the organization in general. Mikey P is one of the best, by the way. One of the best guys over there. And one of the best guys on that beat. So it's always mm-hmm. fun. Uh, and it's it's usually it, and Mikey's never a contentious guy. Not that he doesn't want to ask the tough questions, because Mike does ask tough questions. But you know, I thought the way they handled that thing, chunk and cheek was pretty cool. The second thing is, and I think this is one of those things that people don't seem to appreciate about Mike Tomlin, but players do. Mike Tomlin is not going to come out and say, you know, well, Kenny needs to be better in the first three quarters of the game. He's going to say, you know what, Kenny's really great in the fourth quarter. He's going to emphasize that thing that Kenny does well. Because, mm-hmm. but at the same time, when it comes time to get ready for the week, whenever he talks to Kenny Pickett or Matt Canada or Mike Sullivan, he's going to say, look, how can we fix this problem with the first three quarters? Like, uh, it's good they have this in our back pocket. Right. I don't think that they're gonna, they're settling for that. Just because they're not freaking out about it publicly, because everybody else is freaking out about it publicly, I don't think they're actually okay with it. They're just not going to tell you that they're freaking out about it or what they're doing to fix it. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to look at it is it's we'd all be ignorant to not pay attention to the fact that Pickett is a different quarterback in the first three quarters than he is in the fourth quarter. Mike Tomlin is just choosing with a young quarterback that let's be honest, he hasn't given up on yet because the organization hasn't given up on yet because hell, half the fan base hasn't given up on him yet. Uh, needs as much <laughs> positive reinforcement as he can get, right? Like, Three weeks ago, I remember sitting here talking about Kenny Pickett's confidence and the offense's confidence and how none of them had any of it, and they walk out there on the field. You know, it reminds me of, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact quote, but this is way back. Uh, There's a couple, 
at least a generation and a half ago. Jason Bay was with the Pirates at the time. So yes. it gives you an idea of how old this is. And Jason Bay was asked at some point about the Pirates and just their overall demeanor. And there was a year where, I don't know, maybe they had rattled off five or six in a row. So they were playing well at the time. And everybody thought they were turning a corner, which we all now know never really happened while Jason Bay was a Pittsburgh Pirate. But everybody thought maybe they were turning a corner. And he said something to the effect of, well, we're playing like we expect to win, not like we hope to win. What I saw from the Steelers for the first time in a few weeks against Tennessee was an offense that looked like it expected to score, not like it was surprised it was scoring. And for a couple of weeks, for like a month and a half, this offense as a whole, Matt Canada in the booth, Kenny Pickett on the sideline, all of them looked like they were genuinely surprised when they scored rather than they were expecting to score. That confidence, I feel like, has turned a little bit, and I don't think Mike Tomlin wants to mess with that at all. Well, God forbid someone on this offense uses the term hope a second time this season, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. you don't want to make the same mistake twice if you're George Pickens. But no, to your point, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's, I think that element to it was something that probably doesn't get emphasized as much. I know it gets mentioned just because of the fact that it had been so long, but I don't think we realized just how big that first drive touchdown was. Enormous. I don't think we, uh, it, it, for this group, for any other group, it's ho-hum, whatever. For this group, it's, like, it's huge. It's like it's a high school huge. kid walking up to the girl that he has a crush on, thinking she's not gonna, she's not gonna say yes, she's not gonna say yes, she's not gonna say yes, and he asks her out on a date. She's like, "Yeah, sure. What are you doing Friday?" That's exactly what it was. It yeah. was, oh, I'm a man now. Look yeah. at me, first drive touchdown. It was little giants. They don't be hard. Like that's what it was. <laughs> yes. Yes. But you, you needed to get to that moment, and we had talked so much about how this offense needs to do this, this offense needs to do that. All right, you did it. What are you going to do next? And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably what their mindset is. I'm hoping that's what their mindset is for their own sake. But yeah, like you, you got to get through that hurdle first in order to get to the next one. And I wonder, I do wonder how much Matt Canada being down there to have a more direct line of communication with Kenny Pickett mattered. Maybe Pickett's just at a point in his development where he needs to feel like he can bounce things off of Matt Canada the whole time they're on the sidelines. And, and maybe it's harder for him. It, I imagine it would be harder for any quarterback to walk over, pick up the phone or pick up the headset, call up to the booth and say, hey, what'd you think of this? Okay. And then it, it's just different, you know? It's different when someone is right there and you can have that conversation with them face-to-face. -face. I think that I have to believe that had some kind of impact. Yeah, and Kenny Pickett talked about it after the game. He even talked about how he says, you know, we have good discussions over the phone, but by we, he, he meant him and Matt Canada, but it's a two-sided conversation. Mm -hmm. There's no one else involved with that. But he also mentioned bringing him down to the sideline. He got to interact with the other guys. He got yeah. to talk to the other coaches. And then you get to a better consensus off of what's necessary. And the thing about that first drive, Chris, you and I talked about it after the game. There was a whole lot of balance on that yeah. first drive. There was a whole lot of efficiency on that first drive. There were third downs converted on that first drive. All of that stuff was happening at the same time. Not to mention, you were getting good protection up front. For Kenny Pickett, he didn't get sacked the whole game. You're getting good blocking on the offensive line. Mike Tomlin talked about Broderick Jones being inserted into the starting lineup and how much he helped in the run game, particularly at the second level, which, by the way, if you're in the scheme that this group is in, being able to get to the second level and get guys blocked out is going to help you get bigger runs that we've always been talking about that this offense needed. So all of these things are happening all at the same time. And then the result is the first round touchdown. It was almost like... Like I said this before, look around like, where, where are we? We're, 
where do we end up? Because this is not familiar territory. But now that you got there, can you get to the next milestone? Right. And the other side of the coin is while the offense, I don't want to say flourished, but showed some positive signs on Thursday night, we had another difficult day for George Pickens. And you and I talked about this uh, on your Sunday afternoon show on 93.7 The Fan. I, I, I am of the mind that George Pickens blowing off some steam on social media is just that. It's a 22-year-old kid. I hate to call him a kid because he's a grown man, but um, we're old enough. As, we're old enough to be his parents. We can call him kids. Exactly. I mean, as much as he's a grown man and is and can be responsible for grown ass man decisions, he's still young enough that there's some immaturity in there and there's some frustration in there. And Mike Tomlin was asked about dealing with young players in that frustration, and he told Brooke Breyer, you know, when asked how how you handle it, like breathing, it's easy. I know it's a cute story for you guys. But it's a pebble in my shoe, to be quite honest with you, in terms of the things that I have to do in an effort to get this group ready to play. It's like reality television, the way you guys follow social media and write stories about it. He's not wrong about that last part. It is. He really it's, isn't. I, 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 don't, I don't follow a lot of players on social media because, to be quite honest, 90% of what gets posted is mm, – 98% of what gets posted is meaningless to me. And I think meaningless to most fans, right? Um, but you get the 2% occasionally that makes you go, mm, really? Um, and that was what the George Pickens post was on his Instagram story last week. But in the end, I still believe it has it has no impact on the South side. It has no impact in the room. It has no impact on the field on Sunday until you see a, an outburst like that go from social media outburst, if you want to call it that, to real life outburst. And when I talked to Kabali about it, uh, he, he made a good point. He's like, you know, I, I, it doesn't really bother me at all either because the same thing, we're all in our mid forties and like, we don't even understand half of what's out there on social media anyway, mm -hmm. much less how to decipher it. But he said the one thing he didn't like, and there's video of it was when Deontay Johnson scored his touchdown, keep in mind it's a man's mm -hmm. first touchdown in two years. There wasn't George Pickens running over to congratulate him or to be a part of the celebration. And I will agree with Kabali there. That's the one thing I will keep an eye on is what happens on the, the green grass on Sundays, what happens on the sidelines? What, you know, do we get guys throwing helmets or slamming iPads or anything like that? That's when I'll start to worry about it. Maybe becoming a distraction until that stuff happens. I'm not worried about it. Yeah, that was when I saw that video from that perspective near the end zone. I thought that was a pretty telling thing, too. I thought you brought good perspective to it when you and I talked Sunday afternoon and you mentioned it. And the fact that you have a 14 year old daughter, I think, helps mm -hmm. with your perspective. And I think you mentioned a part that we didn't really say out loud. He was probably really angry with himself sure. in that situation because he had the opportunity yep. to do that earlier, do that exact same thing. He didn't do it. And it was his own fault. He's probably mad at himself. And in that being mad at himself probably took away from being able to celebrate with his teammate, like whom you said hadn't scored a touchdown in two years and Pickens has scored a couple of significant ones already this season. I think looking back, he probably would regret that because it's one of those situations where you're kind of wallowing in your own, like beating yourself up and you, you kind of take away from everything else happening around you. And we all do that. It's just, it's, it's human emotion. It's the human condition. But I think what you mentioned about having a teenage daughter and dealing with the emotions and things that kids have, I think Mike Tomlin took what you said and pretty much 
adjusted it to his own filter. Because besides having children of his own, Mike Tomlin has children that are George Pickens' age. Right. Or around George Pickens' age. Mm -hmm. He's got one still in college playing football. So he understands right now, probably more than most of us, what a guy like George Pickens in that age group is dealing with or what he's thinking about or the different motions running through. So he's got a handful of those kids in that age group at home, or at least in his family, they may not all be at home, but you understand where I'm going with this. Yeah. Who better to understand what a young 20, 22 year old kid is dealing with than a guy who has kids in their twenties. They're going to be able to understand that and filter it a lot better than most people would from the coaching side of it. I think he's supposed to look at it that way. I think he needs it to be a pebble in his shoe because if you're a head coach who makes that bigger than what it is, that's taking your attention from something else that should be a bigger problem. So I don't mind the way he's approaching it. I think that from the standpoint of being a coach, I think he's handling it the way he should. And I think from the standpoint of being a parent, having kids in that age range, he understands how to navigate that situation. Yeah. I mean, look, whether we like it or not, we, we sometimes project our own age and experience and maturity levels onto these professional athletes. Because and the older we get, the more we do it. Yep. And the more out of touch we get with what, the more we have to remind ourselves, exactly. like I got to remind myself, okay, 22, where were you, Chris? Oh, you were still in college. You were, let me think. Oh, at George Pickens age. You were, yeah. Oh, I rem yep. remember some of the things you did then. Mm -hmm. Were they wildly immature? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine what would happen? If social media had existed, for example, then mm -mm, I don't want to. So I think we all need to take that step back and go, listen, I understand he's a professional athlete. He does carry, he, he's got to carry a little bit more responsibility on his shoulders than maybe you or I did as kids when we were in college at that age. Yep. But we do have to remind ourselves that nobody's perfect and that each of these things that's happened along the way is a learning opportunity. And you just hope that they start to stack up and he starts to accumulate that wisdom at a much younger age than to be quite honest, probably either one of us did at that age, because we didn't have the same harsh glare of a media spotlight or a, 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 a fan group that spans the globe, really uh, calling us on all of our little immature mistakes that we make. And in the grand scheme of things, like you said, as it relates to the football on the field, this is a little immature mistake by George Pickens that, like you said, he probably looks back on and says, yeah, I could have handled it better, better, but um, I just got, I got in my feels and mm -hmm. it, it happens. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it also helps when you have a guy like Alec Robinson, who I thought really had mm -hmm. a great diplomatic answer about this. He says, look, you just, you got to keep talking to him. You got to, you know, explain to him that, you know, there are going to be days where this happens to you. Now the Robinson has been around the league for quite some time now. He's been up and through this and he's, he's dealt with all the ups and downs. It's one of those things where, Hey, you know, you got to talk to him and say, Hey, you're going to have these days. I thought Kenny Pickett handled this really well too. And this is one of those intangible things that I think makes Kenny Pickett good for this team. I know a lot of people like to look at the negative things, but one of the intangible things that I think makes him good for this team is he's able to understand and appreciate everything that guys do and how they help. And I thought he mm -hmm. talked about it after the game. He said, look, we're in a lot of the positions we're in right now because George attracts a lot of the attention that he does. They get double teams, so it helps out other guys in the passing game. They're worried about him on, on first and second down, so it helps out the run game because that's another set of eyes that are more focused on him than maybe on the line of scrimmage. 
having a guy like that not only helps you with what he does when he has the ball in his hands, but it helps you when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, when the ball doesn't go in his direction, because you have to start to account for what he can do. And it kind of dovetails into what Mike Tomlin talked about on the other side of the ball with Joey Porter Jr. He says, look, one thing you guys did not talk about was him being involved with DeAndre Hopkins. That helped out a lot because anytime they ran the ball, they went opposite of Hopkins' direction. So you kind of didn't have to worry about Joey Porter Jr. figuring in and how he might handle trying to be involved with tackling a Derrick Henry or a Tajay Spears because he's handling the guy that's away from all of it because they don't run in Hopkins' direction, which I think, by the way, is a very good thing to look at and point out and exploit. So that was actually smart on their end. But when you understand what exactly the impact you have is, I think it helps your perspective more. And I think with guys like Robinson and Pickett taking him aside and saying, look, we were able to do this because of you. like, And you were able to do this earlier, but now since guys know you can do that, we're able to do this because they know you can do that. And there's going to come a time when they get focused on guys, other things, things that other guys can do, and they're going to come right back around to him, i.e. Baltimore. Baltimore became yeah. a situation where Baltimore's defense was more focused on what the rest of the offense can do, and it turned into a one-on-one situation outside with George Pickens, and it turned into the go-ahead touchdown. That became the eventual game winner. It's just a matter of being able to handle one side of the ledger and balance it out with the other side. So I want to have time to get to is this a thing, because we have a multitude of issues, and I want to get into the strength of schedule thing that I took a look at this morning inside uh, my eye-opener column for 93.7thefan.com. But a couple more just personnel issues real quick. Um, Minka Fitzpatrick sounds like by the end of the week may be out there on the practice field. I don't know how much I'm holding my breath for that. Um, doesn't sound like Mark Robinson's immediately going to get launched into the inside linebacker rotation. It's just going to be a Landon Roberts and Quan Alexander, which I'm fine with. I'll miss yes. Cole Holcomb, but as will it, I, especially in Absolutely. coverage. Um, he was fantastic but, in coverage, uh, which Landon Roberts is I worry about, but here nor there. Yeah, uh, and then, the, and then, the, but it sounds like they are open though to using Keanu Neal in some of those situations, which I like. But uh, the tackle situation, I'm I'm trying to read between the lines a little too much here, maybe. But to me, this sounds like Broderick Jones is starting at right tackle again on Sunday, and Mike Tomlin just doesn't want to commit to that yet. You got an or on the depth chart. You got some quotes that sound like, "Yeah, uh, we'd like to get a, a longer look at that." Yeah, Dan Moore is much better on the left side. Yeah, Chooks definitely screwed up in whatever he did towards the end of the Jacksonville game. This is all lining up towards Chooks Akora for in that cap hit, maybe at the end of the year being a sayonara because they found their guy at the right tackle spot. I'm going to take this all the way back to the end of last year. I was on the Lockdown Steelers podcast with Chris Carter, and we were talking about specific guys that could potentially be cap casualties down the road. And the one guy we got to was Shooks or Corfor. And I, I used this term back then. I said, this, this had to be a poo or get off the pot season for Shooks. And it looks like the Steelers are getting off the pot. It, it just has that yeah. feeling to it. Yeah. And I, I'm with you on this. It's like, you don't want to read too far between the lines, but sometimes with Mike Tomlin, you have to. Because we, remember we said last week, the, bad, the bagpipe isn't always going to say no. Right. For the second week in a row, the bagpipe didn't say no, which leads me to believe. And then you see that or on the depth chart, Usually college teams do that. NFL teams don't do that often. So if you see an or there, there's that shadow of a reasonable doubt that usually has a lot more weight in in the courtroom. Right. Weight in the situation too. That or says a lot to me, which leads me to believe that Broderick Jones is going to be the guy. And honestly, looking at the tape, how do we say no at this point? Because 
everything Broderick Jones does, it kind of outweighs the things that Chooks can do. We're not just talking about can he pass block, can he run block. We're not just talking about that. We're talking about can you wipe Harold Landry off the off the zip code on the outside in the pass block game. Right. We're talking about can you get to the second level and take dudes out and spring Najee Harris for a 10-yard run on the first drive of the game type stuff. That stuff Broderick Jones does, and that's stuff that we never saw Chooks quarter for do. So I think it's pretty simple at this point. Yeah, and, and they don't eat too much of a dead cap hit if they were to walk away from him in the offseason. They may even just keep him around as the swing tackle because Maybe. It's, it's, it's not a terrible problem to have to have three guys that are capable of starting a tackle uh, and having one, obviously, that you really believe in now. Hopefully they really believe in Broderick Jones by now. Starting the right tackle makes a ton of sense. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. So before we get to is this a thing, I took a look at the strength of schedule for yes, the like three this. wild card teams that currently sit in those positions in the AFC. They're all in the AFC North, by the way. You heard that mentioned over the last couple of days that all four AFC North teams would go to the playoffs if they started today. The strength of schedule is an important piece of this, though. Yes. For example, the Bengals at 5-3 and three currently have the most difficult remaining schedule in the NFL. Harder than anybody. They've got, let's see, Houston, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Cleveland, and the Steelers at home. What's Minnesota it? becomes a problem now. Yeah, and and it, to be honest, Indy's still kind of lurking back there in the picture as well. They you fight. Know? I give them credit. They fight. Yeah. What's more interesting is the road slate for Cincinnati. They've only got four road games left, but this is brutal. The Steelers are the easiest of the four Mm. on December 23rd. They've also got Jacksonville on the road. They've got Kansas City on the road on New Year's Eve, remember? And and coming up in just a couple of weeks, they go to Baltimore on a Thursday night. So that feels like an automatic loss. It feels like it should be right. It's Thursday yeah. night on the road, a divisional opponent. You face um, that defense on a short week. Yeah. And all your bruises ain't really healed up yet. So the Bengals have three games left against teams with six wins or more. And all three of them happen to be on the road. One of them on a short week. <sighs> They've only got one game left against a sub 500 team. And that's the Colts. So since schedule is imposing. Now, that's rough. 
that that's also probably the best team out of these three as far as how they're playing right now, right? Agreed, since he, yes. Since he's figured some things out, they handled Buffalo on Sunday night. They look good right now. I think it really comes down to a closer examination to the Steelers and the Browns, right? Because not only do they still have a game left against each other, but they've got very similar schedules down the stretch. The advantage being the Steelers have that direct tiebreaker over the Browns right now. But the Browns Mm -hmm. have Green Bay, Arizona. Is it Green Bay in Arizona? Hold on, let me make sure I have this right. No, they don't have Green Bay in Arizona. Do they? Man, they do. It's amazing how much of this lines up. Uh, So the Browns have the Jets on a Thursday night at home later in the season. They've also got the Jags, they've got the Bears at home, and they've got the Steelers at home. Their home slate, I don't want to say they're coasting, but it's... mm, It's very manageable. Manageable, that's a nice way to put it. Very manageable. Um, Not much better on the road. They do have to visit Baltimore still, and they've got Denver on the road, the Rams on the road, and then Houston and Cincinnati. So they're right around 500, their, their remaining schedule, the Browns. The Steelers are who have Green Bay, Arizona, New England. Their schedule, the Steelers' schedule, down the stretch, the third easiest in the AFC, the 11th easiest in the league, and the hmm. easiest of these three teams currently sitting in wildcard position in the AFC North. All of this is to say that depending on what the other teams, Buffalo, Houston, the Jets, uh, the Colts even, depending on what they do, and I don't know if either of us has a ton of belief in the Jets or Colts at this point, but the Texans, eh, CJ Stroud, maybe figuring some things out. I like what Houston's doing. I, I said this before the season, I liked what Houston was doing. So that didn't shock me. So Houston maybe figuring some things out, and the Bills are still there too. And, and inconsistent Bills, sure. They're always still in it, regardless of, of what their record is, because Josh Allen's there. True. Exactly. So – one of these two AFC North teams is going to get bounced from the picture. I think it's just, it's bound to happen at least one of them. And when I look at the schedule and I look at what's played out so far and what's left to play out. Yeah. The Cardinals will get Kyler Murray back. Sure. And you never know what may happen. For example, in other spots on people's schedules, you know, do the Raiders all all of a sudden figure things out because they get the, the new coach bounce as they seemingly did against the Giants this past weekend. Anything's possible. There will be other injuries. But it sets up for the Steelers that, and I've said this before, I know I'm repeating myself, but they need five wins to get into the playoffs, to go to end up 10-7. and seven. If you just rattle off Green Bay, Arizona, New England, and Indy, that only leaves one more win between Seattle and your four division games. That's a pretty good position to be in. Yeah. And let's say you win two of those five division games. Where's the four division games? Split four. the division games. Yeah. Split the four. Split the division the games. Split the division games, and you're four and two in the North now because they've already beaten Baltimore and Cleveland once each. And again, you're probably not catching the Ravens for the division. Probably not. But crazier things have happened. And yeah. it, we're, we're just talking about getting in the playoffs here. We're not even talking about anything beyond that. So it does set up. I, I hate to, you know, I, I saw them talking on ESPN this morning and, uh, about, and you know, they were giving teams midseason grades and things like that. And I think Dan Graziano gave the Steelers a C plus and everyone else freaked out. RG3, uh, Dominique, uh, they, they, all, they all freaked out. Like, oh my God, how can you give them a C plus? 
And he's like, well, look at them. They're, they're just not very good. You know, they, they've won games that maybe other teams wouldn't have won, but they've got a negative point differential. They've been outgained in every game. They're all very valid points. And I tend to agree with Dan's side of the argument here. I don't think they're a great team, but like we talked about again, Sunday afternoon on your show, Sometimes we get caught up as as Steeler fans in wanting them to be the 13-win division champ all the time. And you don't need that to make a run all the time. Hell, was it 1984? Was it the 84 season? 84 season, they went to an AFC championship game with David yep. Woodley as their quarterback. Yep. And they lost, but that was a classic example of, oh, just be good enough, get into the dance win a game or two 89 I think it was not a very good team it was Rod Woodson Gary Anderson and a bunch of dudes mm -hmm. Bubby Brister was, back was most of the season um if not for a Gary Anderson walk-off field goal against the Oilers in the final week of the season I'm old enough to remember that playoff game. I remember a quick aside it was late enough in the year that we were decorating the Christmas tree in our apartment yes. this is where this is when yes. I lived in Texas for a couple of years and my dad who grew up never left texas really uh probably thought you needed a passport to leave the state um <laughs> had been a lifelong love you blue oilers fan and we're decorating the christmas tree as a family him my mom me and we're watching this steelers oilers game i'm like what 10 years old and i'm just like hey, hey look at this look at this and he, like ernest gibbons would pull down this incredible catch and he'd be like hey look at that uh, with his mcconaughey voice and all and i just back and forth back and forth and Gary Anderson hits that kick, and I just remember going nuts. And I just remember my dad silently fuming, knowing that his kid was happy, which was good for him, but at the same time being like, I can't believe this, this Steelers team just bounced my Oilers out of the playoffs. This is ridiculous. Um, but that 89 team, they, 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 they won a wild card round and then went to Denver and were within a hair on the chinny ch on Tim Worley's chin mm -hmm. of going to an AFC championship game, but he coughed the ball up late. Like my point is Tyron Braxton was the one that recovered the fumble, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. And because it wasn't Atwater, I would remember that more clearly. Um, but yeah, yeah I think it was Braxton. I mean, hell, look at the Super Bowl 40 team. That was I was gonna bring that up. Team. For young, they were fans. six and six. They were six and six going into that game against the Bears, and they rattled off that four-game win streak. I was there at at Heinz Field for that game against Chicago, sitting in the, the Urlacher, end zone in the two hundred section. Yeah, for Jerome Bettis runs through <laughs> Brian Urlacher at the goal line, and that was the loudest to this day I've ever heard that place sitting in there as a fan. It's the loudest I've heard it. The roar that went up from that place was absolutely insane, and the rest they say is history. history. After yep. that game. They rattled off that win streak. They got in as a wild card. They won three road games to get to the Super Bowl. And I don't think people saw that 05 team doing that at no. the time. I think we felt like 04 was the year, and then it didn't happen. Because remember remember um, Jerome, like Ben Roethlisberger consoling Jerome Bettis after that oh, game because Ben Hines like Ward and, everybody down? Hines Ward in tears the next day for his press yes, conference, for his, like, for his meeting with thought, the media. Yeah, we thought it, we thought we it was, thought the was the 92 Pirates. We thought it was the 92 exactly. Pirates, yeah. And, we thought and, 04 was the year. And then they went on that run in 05 and won the whole thing. And then, you know, Jerome Bettis got to play in Detroit for his final game. The defense shows up with the Dick LeBeau jerseys, which I thought was the most awesome thing ever at the time. But, like, that run happened, and it changed our entire perspective on that, that particular team and what they did. And it, it should have changed our perspective on what's possible with a playoff run. I, I'll take you back to the late 90s 
with the 97 Broncos team that made it as a wild card and beat this very Steelers organization yep. at Three River Stadium in the playoff game. You never mm-hmm. know how it could go. Yeah, and, and look, this isn't to sit here and blow smoke up everybody's rear end and try to no, tell them that just, this is a Super Bowl team. That's not what we're trying we're to do. We're establishing precedent is what we're doing. And and I just and what I want to do is because in this very binary in this world of very binary arguments where everything is either awesome or terrible, I, I think it's important to remember that sometimes it, when you find the nuance of what's happening right there in the middle of the road, you can find the most satisfying moments because it's not oh my god everything's the worst this is awful or everything's great this is mm-hmm. no it's oh man, one second, I think this is the best thing ever. The next second, I think it's the worst thing ever. I am riding a roller coaster of emotions. I am in a glass case of emotion, in fact, to quote Anchorman. And I, I that is where you find the most fun sometimes, I think, as a fan. We need to remind ourselves of that. That this, just because they're the Pittsburgh Steelers, doesn't mean every championship run is going to start with a 13-win regular season. Conversely, remember that not every 13-win regular season necessarily ends in a championship run. I'll go all the way back to the, for the old yes. heads that may be listening to this or watching it on the YouTube page. Remember your 76 It was Tyron Braxton, by the way, in 89. I went back Thank and looked it up. for looking it up. Remember the 76 Steelers. They had the arguably greatest defense of all yes. time. They smothered opponents. And what would they have? Six shutouts, something crazy like that. It may have been even something more. like that. Yeah. And they get yeah. to the playoffs. That was the best team that didn't win it. If you ask anybody that was around. The a- time. Absolutely. They, they get to the playoffs. Rocky and Franco both get hurt. They got nobody to run the ball out in Oakland in the AFC championship game and they lose and the Raiders go on. And look, man, that's the way it goes. Sometimes you can have a great regular season and it falls apart in the playoffs. We've seen that. Hello, Blake Bortles. You can yep. have a a middling regular season just get into the tournament that's not the, that shouldn't be the stated goal and i think all too often the no. last half decade that has become unfortunately what they've aimed for because maybe the organization understands the limitations of the talent available to them uh, and maybe they need to take a good long hard look you and i have talked about this as well to not get too 50,000 foot view on things and not too yep. 2020 hindsight on things but take a look back at the talent that was acquired over the last half decade in the draft in particular I love you, Kevin Colbert. I'll give you all your flowers, but some of those drafts weren't the best, Devin Bush. And so you got to call both sides of the coin. You you do. And so I guess the greater point I'm trying to drive at without getting too long winded. And I tried to drive at this when we talked on Sunday night was, Hey man, if it's up and down and they end up 10 and seven, but they upset a Jacksonville in the wild card round. And all of a sudden they're, I don't know, going to Baltimore in the divisional round and hell, who knows what can happen. Like, I don't expect it to happen that way. I don't expect to look up and see them in Cincinnati for an AFC championship game. But wouldn't that just be the kind of crazy-ass run you could see a team like this put together? It's it, it not expected, but if we looked up and that were the, to be the way it played out, I don't want people to have given up on things because it isn't perfect. Embrace the ugliness that happens sometimes. Bubba Sparks time, right? Yes, indeed. Um, I, I've had this discussion with people like so much during the course of this past couple of weeks, I'm sitting here going, if we knew the last chapter of the story, there would be no reason to read the book. If, if you knew what's, what it said on the last page, what are you looking at the first one for? 
Right. If we knew how this was going to go, if we went by, if it went according to our expectations, there'd be no reason to watch. And people are going, oh, it's so hard to watch games these days. I'm going, why? They're like, oh, because they're not winning games a certain way. I said, is that the only reason? Is that the reason why this is so hard to watch? It's because of how it's happening, as opposed to just the fact that we're getting to that last chapter. If that's the reason, then you're already watching for the wrong reason to begin with. Right. If you're watching to see how the game unfolds, then watch to see how the game unfolds. If you're watching to see it happen a certain way, you're already walking in expecting to be disappointed. Or you're already walking in expecting the unexpected because you can't expect a team to be a certain way when they haven't proven that they can play a certain way. The old Albert Einstein saying, and I use this a lot, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, this will live the rest of its life thinking it's stupid. It'll also live the rest of its life forgetting that it couldn't climb a tree because as Tay Lasso would say, goldfish is a 30-second memory. But that's beside the point. But you see where I'm going with this. Like, if we keep judging this team on what it can't do, then we'll never be able to understand what it is doing and probably never appreciate what it is doing. And I understand Dan Graziano's point. On paper, they're not doing it the way everybody else is doing it. But I talked about this Sunday afternoon, too. We get mad because this team is lo- is winning games be- with its defense in the turnover margin. Folks, the two best teams in the league, or at least the best in each conference, Kansas City and San Francisco, they're doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. They're winning games with their defense. They're both top five scoring defenses. Kansas City's averaging 23 points a game on offense and 16 on defense. They're doing the exact same things because I think going into this season, they knew, hey, we're not going to light it up the way we used to because we don't even know who half our receivers are. So we're going to have to do this a different way. And they're doing it a different way. you got to do whatever it takes with what you have to win games. And this is something that people just don't seem to appreciate with Mike Tomlin. He can take what he has and win games with it. I'm going to go back to 2019 because we love to forget this part. He got six quarters out of Ben Roethlisberger and lost his first two games. And then with eight and six afterwards with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Sometimes you got to take what you got and make the most of it. And that's what this team is going to have to do. And that's what they've done so far. Yeah, I just I want people to understand that while while the expectation can be set up, yeah, the schedule sets up well for them to make a run down the stretch, get into the playoffs. Let's just let's understand that there's a certain prism to watch all of this through, which is you can have your expectations, you can have your hopes, uh, but also understand that you know what there there's there's another side to the coin in that you can't expect them to to always be exactly what it's not always going to be pretty i guess is my it's not even meeting this organization's own expectations if you go by what they told us before the season started remember i harped on this after the houston game how they told us this is how they wanted to play and this is what they wanted to be they haven't even met their own expectations you think they're worried about ours honestly Mm -mm. Mm -mm. like you really think they care about what we expect (laughs) when they're not even meeting their own expectations you got to step out of the box for a little bit and step into reality for 15 seconds and just acknowledge things sometimes for how they are. And this is what this team is. But the good thing is they're starting to figure out more and more of what they're capable of along the way. I thought the Tennessee game on office was a big step for them because you saw a big growth in the run game. You saw a lot more balance in the passing game and you saw Kenny Pickett start to trust his guys up front a lot more, which should be, which should keyword being should, be a big indication down the road if that continues to progress. Yeah, when we look at building the game plan later in the week, one of the things I want to watch for, dependent upon Green Bay personnel, obviously, is what's still lacking there, which is like the the middle of the field, 
especially deep down the middle of the field and starting to connect on some of those. But we can save that for later in the week. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Let's spend a couple minutes playing our favorite game here on Fourth Down in the Steel City. Is this a thing? Uh, Producer Greg Finley, uh, jump on in here, my friend. There you go. Walked around, so you're right in the middle. Um, We've got a few items here. Let's start with... I, I just happened to see this in passing this morning. Martavis Bryant is trying out for the Cowboys. Explain this. Is this a thing? Yeah, he got he got reinstated, and uh, you know he was playing in a couple of different leagues before he got reinstated by the NFL. But it looks like the Cowboys are working him out. And uh, I'm gonna say that this is not going to be a thing, though. I think he's been away from the NFL too long for him to just come back and be with the Dallas Cowboys. But it wouldn't surprise me if this is a Jerry Jones move because he does like to make these kind of moves. I mean, he wanted Odell Beckham Jr. after he tore his ACL. (laughs) Yeah. He he goes for the home runs, and sometimes they are not home runs. Josh, is this a thing? Martavis back in the league? I think ultimately it won't because you're going to have to find a team – that's desperate enough to need a guy like him to make that run, but they're going to have to bring him in, bring mm-hmm. him totally up to speed and in a limited role, try to get him to, you know, do at least in a limited capacity, some of the things that might be necessary. I think it would be a thing if this was at the beginning of the season, when you had time to slowly bring him along, yeah. if he would have been reinstated, say like, Right, either right before or right after training camp, but someone can bring him in and probably can kind of you know guide him along. I think this would be a thing. I think the fact that this is happening in November, I don't think it is a thing at this point. I think I, I really do think he's a guy who still can bring something to a team, but I feel like some of these teams right now are so far along and they're so close to to knowing what they need to know. I think bringing this kind of guy in that really can't acclimate to everything you want to do might be too much of a risk. So given the timing of it all, and I I reported on this, I anchored on it on Saturday night over at KDK and talked about it. I feel like the timing of it all is what makes it not a thing. You know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of the Eagles signing Julio Jones this year. Like, why did they do that? And he only has a couple of receptions this year. And yeah, he's got four receptions this season. Yeah, and no, Hul- he's got two receptions this season. Like, yeah. in Julio's case, I could understand it a little bit more because he's a little closer to, or, or you know, in in departure from his. It's been less. Yeah. It's been I, I can't put words together today. It hasn't been as long since he was productive, Julio, as it has been for Martavis. I mean, it's been five years since he even set foot on an NFL right. field, Martavis. Right. Uh, but your point remains the same. It's a it's a flyer. It's a hope. It's a wish. And no, I don't. I don't think we're going to see Martavis on an NFL field. That'd be great for him if it worked out. Uh, good luck, but I don't. I don't think it's a thing. All right, I was. I'm going to bring this one up, even though it might be opening a can of worms. Oh boy, because <laughs> I know how Greg feels about it. Because we've texted about it a lot over the last few days. <laughs> I know where this is going. Harbaugh's not getting suspended, and I don't say that as like a, a hope or a wish. Because I'd love to see. I'd love to see him get suspended this weekend. In fact. Can we make that happen? Huh? Ooh, Maybe. But it's I not going to happen. Everything. 
I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, if anything happens, there will be some sort of eh, whatever you want to call it consequence handed down after the season is over yep. because they're going to want due process to play out in this case. Heather Dinich yep. made a great point about that this morning on ESPN.com. Um, they're going to let due process play out because otherwise this thing's going to end up in court, which is going to make it drag out even longer. Either way, Harbaugh's not getting suspended this year. There's not going to be any impact on the Michigan Wolverines. And unfortunately, Connor Stallions becomes a bit of a folk hero in Ann Arbor. That, I can guarantee, is a thing. Greg, I know this upsets you very much, so. (laughs) Do you see who they brought in yesterday at University of Michigan to, like, help pump them up or whatever? Oh, Ric Flair. They brought in Ric Flair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Hey, hey, if if you're going to be accused of cheating, who better to bring in than the dirtiest player in the game, right? Right. Woo! Woo! Fits the profile. I don't know, guys. I still think think that something could happen here. I don't – I honestly don't think they're going to get the death penalty, which – uh, no. I think that they – I think that they deserve for cheating, but I know that it's not going to happen. But I do think that Harbaugh could get suspended. But I also think, too, he could leave Michigan at the end of the year and yeah. go to the NFL. That's what I was going to say. You know where he's going to serve that suspension? In Chicago. In Chicago. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that's where I am with this. I think it happening this season is not a thing. I think some form of punishment will come at the end of the year because I think Chris pointed it out. You know, Michigan has already gone Andrew Garfield in the social network, you know, <laughs> telling um, – Telling what's his face, the guy that played Mark Zuckerberg to his face, lawyer up, because yeah. that's what Michigan already did. Oh, they and they're already doing a great job of, of of throwing other rumors out yep. there about other Big Ten teams. Too. Yeah, this, this is Andrew Garfield to Jesse Eisenberg, lawyer mm-hmm. up, because I'm coming for the whole thing. And that's what Michigan's going to try to do to delay this as much as they possibly can. So they can push this down to the end of the season. And the Big Ten, if the Big Ten can say, hey, we don't want to mess up our chances to having at least one team in the playoff at the moment. Let's see if we can keep this going and if we can get our best team in the playoff. Because if they mess this up now, the Big Ten will kick itself forever. And they don't want to be the Big 12 five years ago. They don't want to try to screw that up. Or was it like six years ago? They don't want to have that opportunity and fumble it. So I feel like it's going to be – it'll be a thing in February, March, but not a thing in November, December. And by then – It'll just so happen that maybe a job out in L.A. might open up with the Chargers. Or maybe another opportunity might open up. And oh. Jim Harbaugh's going to say, you know what? I won't take that contract extension because I'm going to go and take this one. Although Chicago, I will say, Chris, I don't see that one happening. Because you know who the president of the Bears is? The the former president or the former commissioner of the Big Ten? Oh. Didn't really like John Harbaugh. So <laughs> Yeah. 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 That's that's true. I, I don't I don't I, I don't see Kevin Warren and Jim Harbaugh probably coexisting in Chicago. I hadn't I, thought I of think, that. I think LA with a very capable Justin Herbert sounds very good though. Oh man, would he gloriously screw that up? Oh, um, the Chargers are gonna get rid of Brandon Staley. They beat the Jets last night, Josh. What are you talking about? They're winning Greg, again. <laughs> Greg, you know you know my stance on Brandon Staley. I do. I know your stance, but I don't think the Chargers care. If if that's the (laughs) case. They brought them back already once. (laughs) Well, it wouldn't be the first time the Chargers have done that, right? Because North Turner being there was a thing too, and they kept saving North's job every other year. So it wouldn't be the first time the Chargers were okay with such a thing. But no, to to get back to the main part of this, I think something will come down on Michigan, but I'll be stunned if it happens before the end of the season. 
It'll be after the playoff is over. and Maybe after Michigan has lifted a trophy or two by then, at least that's what Michigan's hoping for. And maybe by then a lot of the flies will be off and Jim Harbaugh will be gone. So I don't think it's a thing as far as this season. I got to ask, is is this a thing as far as it being bad? bad? Uh, Shams tweeting last night, Lake, <laughs> Lakers star Anthony Davis had a spasm of his groin and is attempting to see if he can return for the second half versus the Heat. <clears throat> Young Gregory is is on during this, so I'll try to keep it as clean as possible. I don't know how many spasms of the groin I've had that I didn't enjoy, to be quite honest. Is this I a thing? That, I think this is a thing because Anthony Davis just keeps finding new ways to get hurt. And I say that as both an NBA observer and a frustrated Laker fan. But um, I will also say this probably isn't a thing because, I mean, I'm sure you could pay for that kind of thing in L.A., but that's usually not what you do during the game. No. No, not so during I'm a gonna game. Ultimately, I'm going to ultimately lean toward this not being a thing. I just I just pictured kind Deshaun of, Watson uh, going, I know a masseuse for that. <laughs> hey, hey, if you, if, you, if you get that going on in Houston, I know a guy or a couple. <laughs> just saying. Greg. Is this really a, 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 spasm, so off the rails. a spasm of no. the groin? Is this a thing? It's Anthony Davis being himself, which is a big yeah. baby. Okay. He'll be back. He'll yeah. be back. He'll be back tomorrow. He'll be back on the floor tomorrow, be, being himself again. And he'll land on his leg funny, and he'll be limping, and he'll be off the floor again. Just talk to Doran of what he thinks about Anthony Davis. He gives Thank the you. best analysis about this guy. <laughs> I believe Greg, it, usually it starts and ends with, oh, my God. <laughs> Greg, Greg and I talk about this so much being, with me being a Laker fan, and he understates my frustration with all of it. Just, uh, I, I'm going to end with this. Greg knows I refer to the Lakers as, Lakers as Bruno, and we don't talk about Bruno. That's probably a good idea in this case to yeah. not talk about AD's groin either. That, yes. that being right. said, though, LeBron said the Lakers are the Stealers of the NBA. <laughs> Yeah. That is a thing. That's, that's what I, I I read that once. I was like, what? and then I read it a second time, and I was like, eh. I did the Alonzo Mourning gif. I did the. Mm. He's kind of right. He's kind of right. right. You're right. You're right. He All also right. said that he's every time he bets against Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, they win. So maybe that's yeah. that too. All right, last thing. Josh invented something right before we came on the air. It's called chooksing yourself. <laughs> chooksing yourself. Is this going to become a phrase that Steelers fans use with regularity? Is this a thing, Greg? It should be. But go ahead, Greg. <laughs> of chooksing course it's a thing. Josh, Josh has invented it. It's going to catch fire, man. Absolutely, it's a thing. Okay. I, I can't take credit for it because if Mike Tomlin hadn't said it, I doubt we even know what chooksing yourself is. But the fact <laughs> that he mentioned that, you know, Chooksakorfor said whatever he said at the end of the Jacksonville game. And Chooks even said he was acting out at the end of the Jacksonville game. And that might be the thing that Wally pips him out of the lineup for Broderick Jones. So it choosing yourself is kind of like an indirect Wally Pitt thing because Wally Pitt got hurt in fairness. Right, right, right. It's just, you know, apparently shot off at the mouth and got himself messed up. But I, I will say this. Who among us hasn't had a bad day at work where we say something crazy and get in trouble with the boss? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah We've all been there <laughs> in this yeah. industry. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, about- I, cho- 
I say chooksing yourself is a thing at this point. I what about Deontay? Deontay chooksing himself about the officials and getting a oh, that was, fine. That was a clear <laughs> chooksing yourself. That's perfect. Definitely. Perfect example. Definitely. Deontay has already chooksed himself. There you go. Yeah. It's a thing. It's, it's, it's a thing. It's it's become a thing already. Uh, fourth down in the Steel City uh, Tuesday recaps of Mike Tomlin's press conference. Definitely a thing as this one was. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, building the game plan, it's also a thing. We'll do that later in the week to get you prepared for the X's and O's and schematics and what we think should go down Sunday at Heinz Field. I won't call it after sure between the Steelers and Packers. And of course, you got to make sure, oh, our hot sheet episode uh, to get you ready for all of the NFL slate this weekend too. All coming up later in the week, Greg. We had, we had a good week, as they say in draft day. We had nice. a good week. That was us this week in Hot Sheet. <laughs> nice. I look forward to the results in that episode. And, of course, you know if you want to get any of these episodes as soon as they're available, here on the YouTube page, if you're watching, you just tap the little notification bell down there, and you will get notified as soon as new videos are posted to the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, including new episodes of Fourth Down in the Steel City. And, of course, if you're listening to the audio-only version inside your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you follow and subscribe so that you get it the next time it's available, the latest episode. Thank you, Greg Finley, for producing. Josh Taylor for co-hosting. I am Chris Mack right here on 4th Down in the Steel City. 